Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Please, let me be funny. Has that... Has it worked yet? It's never worked. So today we are doing the Orson Welles show. Yes, as chosen by our wonderful patrons. Thank you so much for voting for the Orson Welles show. This was filmed in 1978 through 1979. Okay. uh, Intended for the 1979 pilot season. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, It was intended to air in a one hour and 30 minute time slot. Ooh, really? Yeah. So that... Didn't you notice that it was kind of long? It was long. Uh, A lot of it is tied up. I would say quite a lot of it is tied up in a celebrity interview. But uh, let's get started. So let's pour one out. Laura, what do you got there? Uh, I have the It's Not Easy Being Green. Oh. For reasons that will become apparent. Yeah. Uh, And it is... Uh, water, green food coloring, and, guys, I'm tired, and a little bit of uh, watermelon mint vodka. Okay. To give uh, it that green feel, I guess. Yeah, mint, yeah. yeah. We didn't have, we don't have a lot of green. You didn't want to use, what do we have, the, the creme de mint? No, I really didn't. Understandable. Uh, creme de menthe is kind of bad. It is. So... I, I chose to choose watermelon mint mm. vodka and then just water it down because I really didn't have much to mix it with. Gotcha. And when I say water, I do mean watermelon, like watermelon water. Yeah, like, that makes sense. They like use the sparkling. Water. Yeah. Yeah. Which I know, I think I've done this exact drink a few other times. I feel like colors. you may have, yeah. We have a limited liquor cabinet. You know? Yeah. I, I'm surprised you poured it into a glass and not the Sam the Eagle uh, drink receptacle that is currently on our windowsill eyeballing me very suspiciously. Yeah, that thing's really hard to clean. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I got all the Diet Coke out of it from Florida. <laughs> um, but I'm uh, I'm not positive and I'm not willing to drink out of it. Uh, I have Orson Welles' gun. I, in front of me, have six shots. Five of them are water. One of them is liquor. And using the power of divination, divination, I will try to discover which one is actually alcohol. Except none of them are alcohol, and I'm lying because that's how that magic trick is done. (laughs) Yes, Uh, it absolutely is. (laughs) But we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's talk about Orson Welles. So, Orson Welles, uh, this is shot fascinating. It's shot like a film. Yes, there's lots of shots, like, of cameras on, like, dollies behind the audience. Yeah. So you kind of see Orson Welles through the crowd, which is very interesting. Uh, It, to me, at times, because this was, you know, the 70s, or, yeah, it's the 1979... Uh, the way that the lights kind of make those stars 
when they're on screen. Yeah. And the the kind of cheapness to the set and everything. It kind of reminded me of Eric Andre. Okay. It kind of had a feeling of the Eric Andre show of there's something off about this talk show and I cannot identify it. There's something off about this talk show and you feel it might be intentional. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the vibe I very much got is like, it's, um, I got a vibe of intentional artifice. Yeah. Like, he wanted it to, it, it felt like he was making a movie about being a talk show host. Yeah. Because also the beginning monologue, instead of being at his desk, he's sitting among the, like, in the yeah, middle of the audience. There is no desk. <laughs> Correct. But he's not on stage either. He's kind of just among the audience. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Now, I want to point this out. Uh, The lovely patrons had a choice of four different shows, most of which we'll probably eventually circle back to. Yeah. And this choice said the Orson Welles show, parentheses, don't spoil the surprise for Lara. Because I was totally afraid that in our Discord, which you can join by joining our patrons, our Patreon... Our patrons would say, oh, I voted for Orson Welles because the Muppets are in it. And I didn't want Lara to have that spoiled. Amazingly, while Lara is taking notes about how weird the aesthetic is, she misses that Orson Welles just says, One of the medium's most prestigious personalities, who as it happens, is a frog. We've also got a stand-up comic who's a bear, a bigoted eagle, and a nymphomaniac pig. We've got the Muppets for you. Laura completely misses that. And I was like, oh, she's still going to get fun surprised. Uh, what I was writing, do you want to hear the note I was taking? Of course. LOL, the brain is based on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very true. Um, and he does like a bit of like, I don't know how to say this any other way. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Yes. So he sets up everything. And then we get the Burt Reynolds interview. Yes. Now, this is about half an hour of the yeah, show. Yeah, this is too long. Uh, but I will say, I enjoyed the intro that he gives. Where, where he calls like, Burt Reynolds sexy. He, and then he says, women love him, men uh, admire him. <laughs> it was just like, oh, I guess we're all jealous of Burt Reynolds. Uh, he's friends with Burt Reynolds. Oh, I assume. Uh, how long do you think this interview actually was? Too long. I would say that this is cut down from about three days. <laughs> How long do you actually think it was? Uh, th- this was probably an hour. <laughs> you were three hour. This was a three hour interview they cut down to still too long. Yeah, it was. it's about half an hour. That's crazy because by the end of it, he says something like, uh, Burt Reynolds is a goodbye guest. You have to say goodbye to him because he's not staying till the end of the show. He yes. could have if you didn't do three hours. But then again, I'm sure the Muppets were there a different day. This, yeah, this was filmed on to... Um, it, it's filmed in a way... It, it took forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't have a good way to say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was filmed over a significant amount of time. So... It's very, very interesting. Uh, He does a thing where it's 
clearly scripted questions, but from the audience. Yeah, which I thought was interesting for the time. Yes. Because, like, what's really interesting about older television, in my opinion, is the idea of being on TV is so novel. Like, right now, when it comes to, like, entertainment and being in entertainment of some sort, any one of us can have a YouTube channel. Yeah. And a lot of people watch YouTube more than television. So the idea of being on television is not that novel, nor is it that hard. Like, there are reality shows. There's so many ways to get on TV. Back in the 1970s, there was only a handful of channels, and the idea of being on television was very difficult. So to kind of have that spotlight where, like, the audience will be on television really means something in 1979. Yes, and uh, Orson Welles had regularly guest hosted for Johnny Carson and uh, Merv Griffin. I did not know that. So this was not a huge crazy leap. Uh, That's why he kind of, later on, he does get that little, like, cute dig in at Johnny Carson. Because I will say, to me, the idea of Orson Welles as a talk show host is very strange. Because, like... He's Citizen Kane. This is like the greatest actor of our time, of of that time. Yeah. Suddenly doing a talk show. Like, I was trying to figure out the equivalent to, to like, who today, if they were just, like, randomly giving a talk show, would this be? DiCaprio. DiCaprio? Yeah. Hmm. That level of, like, pretentiousness. Think current day DiCaprio. Current day DiCaprio. Yeah, I guess. He, like, doesn't get out of bed unless it's for a 24-year-old or Martin Scorsese. Because I had three names pop into my head. Okay. Tom Hanks. Too charismatic and sweet. But, uh, but like, he is, like, the guy. Like, yeah. Like, Tom Hanks is in this. Oh, I bet he's amazing in it. Oh, yeah. look, he is. <laughs> It's Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks. Uh, John Malkovich? That's pretty close to this, I think. Yeah, just like that weird... Uh, like that weird voice and that prestige that comes with it. I would like to welcome my next guest, the Annoying Orange. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I would like to welcome my next guest... Mr. Beast. <laughs> so you'd like to play pranks on the internet. <laughs> Let's do the John Malkovich. Yeah, that's exactly what I Do we know anyone who does a really good John Malkovich impersonation? I think I do a pretty terrible one. <laughs> I have I, I actually have some pitches now. Uh, we'll talk about this off mic. <laughs> Or, uh, I was trying to think of, like, who's, like... So, Miss Robbie, you play Barbie. (laughs) How does it feel to be a doll? Uh, I can't think of his name now. It just, like, left my brain. Um, uh, Commissioner Gordon, Tinker Taylor, Shoulders... Gary Oldman! Gary Oldman! (laughs) Because Gary Oldman's a a chameleon. Like, every time you see him, you're like... Is that Gary Oldman? Yeah, but I feel, I feel like Gary Oldman would become a different person in this. Like, he wouldn't be Gary Oldman. He would be this other person. 
So, I agree. He, he would create the character of a talk show host and it would just be perfect. Yeah. Uh, so before we lose the plot too much, uh, this interview is pretty good. Like, There's some cool questions that, I mean, they're obvious audience plants. Uh, also, it's one of the things that keeps coming up is that Burt Reynolds and... Um, Orson Welles. Orson Welles are wearing the same outfit. The same outfit. The same red, pointy lapeled <laughs> dress shirt open under like a black suit. Mm-hmm. This was not done on purpose. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, because I was looking at WellsNet, which is like the quintessential Orson Welles website. Right. And it, it is, according to this website, not intentional. Interesting. Very interesting. The, this interview, like, I don't like, there was no particular moment that really jumped out at me. But I do note that Orson Welles smokes like a fiend throughout this entire show. Because it was the 70s. And like, yeah, in the 70s, like. People smoked cigarettes. He's smoking full-on cigars. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, geez. I don't think Orson Welles was the healthiest individual. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that. What makes you think that the fact that he was not around that much longer after this? I should say, I love Orson Welles. Orson Welles is one of my favorite actors. Like, Citizen Kane is incredible. Yeah, like, he, he dies in 1985. Yeah. But he, um, so we, we get this whole interview. We get the first question is, why are you dressed like that? Which really sets it up to look like it's a gag. Yeah. Uh, she asks if Burt Reynolds could burn some of his early films and she name drops a specific one that I don't catch. Yeah. And he has a very charming, I'd have a whole forest fire before I hit that one. (laughs) And then a woman asks if female directors don't get opportunities or if they don't have the talent. Yeah. And the two of them really do go, like, they're getting more opportunities. It's never been about talent. It's nice to see that in 1979. Yes. And then an audience member mentions Truman Capote and calls actors stupid. Yes. Uh, And I thought that was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. But this is very long. We're not going to talk about, like, each individual question. No, I don't have much to say about it. But Reynolds is charming. His rapport with Wells is good. And uh, Wells also introduces the concept of a goodbye guest. And it is a guest who does not stay for the end of the show. Right. Are, do guests tend to stay through the whole show? I, I'm going to be honest. Most of my late night talk show consumption is on snippets on YouTube. Yeah, it's the monologue and that's it. The monologue or sketches. Uh, it, it depends on the show. Like, I know that um, Conan was good for this. Uh, who's the guy that we hate from England? James Corden. James Corden did this where he would have a guest. And then when his next guest came out, his current guest would stay. Yes. And that's and then it just kind of became this like fun conversation with stuff. Uh, Graham Norton always has a bunch of guests. Uh, Letterman was big on you come, you do your time, and you leave. Letterman was also big on harassing female guests. The true but like not the point i'm trying to make here. i know but i hate letterman. Uh, letterman is also was very piecemeal mm-hmm. uh oftentimes with letterman he would record like three guests uh in front of a live crowd and then use them in different episodes yeah basically so, was available uh yeah so that's another reason why sometimes you do this but it was common that 
especially like in the Carson days and stuff like that, that it would turn into it would an interview would turn into a panel show because you kind of also always wanted the guest there when Jack Handy, the animal guy came out. Yes. Like that always just added to the fun of things. So especially in that time where they're still kind of figuring out television and like they're not doing the Letterman trick. It was very common to kind of have like your guests stay. Yeah, because I know Jimmy Fallon does a lot of bits like that. He has, you know, oh, here's the puppy challenge. Here's, you know, the touch stuff. He does like little games. Yeah, you you have to play a game if you go on Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, and I I think that's very interesting and fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just, I I do notice that, I just didn't know if they stayed until the end of the episode, like if they're on the sign off or anything. I feel like Fallon doesn't do that. Because, like, Graham Norton's also a very different type of show because he's uh, more... I know we call them talk shows in the U.S. He's what's called a chat show. Yes. Of like chat it's, show. It's a little less segmented. Part of the appeal is mm-hmm. having different people coming in who kind of know each other and kind of don't. Mm-hmm. Because um, I know that, like, there was a point where they brought in Taylor Swift and Eddie Redmayne and they tell a story about her failed audition for Les Miserables. <laughs> That's fun. And how, like, she went just because she wanted to do the read with him. (laughs) And so, like, interesting little weird stories. Uh, Zendaya. There was a clip I saw of, like, Zendaya publicly announcing that she was not the one who farted in the Greatest Showman set. Oh, yes. I remember that (laughs) that clip. Graham Norton is very good at that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I, I, like, I think it's a different kind of format, almost. Mm Mm-hmm. But Burt Reynolds never comes back. No. Clearly because they filmed the next segment days, weeks, months later. <laughs> yes. Uh, he does a great... Mo- he, the, how he introduces the next amazing segment is he goes, I love using slang just wrong enough to upset my daughter. And he says something is his bag. Yes. Which he even points out is outdated in its time. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'm sure you're as fond of them as I am. And my notes just say, bet... <laughs> Uh, my next three notes. Surprise Muppets. Hell yeah, Sam the Eagle is here. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, Laura lights up because the, the Muppets arrive. Not only are the Muppets there, but like, I never think of Sam the Eagle as being one of the early Muppets. Right. Uh, like, I know he was. I just, you don't usually get to see Sam the Eagle that much. Mm-hmm. In early things, and it was really, really exciting to get to. Uh, so it starts off uh, with Orson Welles is in a different outfit, and the Muppets discuss their act. Do you want to talk about how Fozzie? Because yeah, there's a lot of Fozzie like. And I hired uh, my writer Gags Beasley. Not Gags Beasley. Gags Beasley, oh, the yeah. ace comedy writer for 57 years in this business. He has given me the A material for the Orson Welles show. He is the cheapest comic, the, the cheapest comedy writer that there, there's going. Are you kidding? I'm paying him a dollar fifty a joke. A dollar fifty a joke. A dollar fifty, yes. You call that cheap? You should pay him by the laugh. Well, you could never get paid then. That's right. Uh, this is Fozzie at his best, really. Uh, th- Fozzie has like an... Um, uh, they, they go on about whether they call him Mr. Wells or Mr. Orson. Yeah. <laughs> and Orson Wells, who genuinely does love the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the Muppet movie, which comes out later in 1979. Oh, all right. Um, which they are not promoting in this show. They're no. just there. 
it's very interesting to see a talk show where the goal isn't to get you to see a movie at the end of the interview. Because uh, the Muppet movie might not have even had a release date. Yeah. It was in production. But it may not have had a... Uh, it may not have had a release date yet. True. Because uh, it was released in May 31st of 1979. This was completed by February. So there's just all of these little amazing bits. And at one point, Fozzie goes, this is bear meditation. And he's just face palming. And he said, he name drops his comedy writer and says, please let me be funny. Please let <laughs> me be funny. Does it work? Hasn't yet. Hasn't yet. And Sam the Eagle asks to be dismissed. Yeah, can I just go? <laughs> you can go whenever you like. Sam Eagle had no one, no part of this. We I get love a, him so much. We get a nice bit where they're they're supposedly doing like a sketch, but they don't know what they're supposed to be saying. So Gonzo has cue cards. Yes. Uh, there's guys. I love the Muppets. Guys, I might cry. Uh, Gonzo falls and drops all the cue cards. Mm-hmm. And that's when we get the Carson joke, when Wells asks for advice about hosting a show. And Fozzie goes, do what Carson does. And uh, Wells goes, what, stay home three days a week? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a joke about Ronald Reagan's hairline that dovetails with the Middle Eastern oil crisis. Yeah. And then Fozzie's like breaking down and having an existential crisis. He goes, yeah. it's all I want is to be funny. And Kermit goes, that's all we want, too, is for you, you to, to be, be funny. funny. And then Gonzo introduces the first magic trick. Animal shows up. And I'm like, hey! It's Animal. And Gonzo goes, what did you have for lunch today? And Animal goes, cue card! And eats the cue card and it <laughs> makes me happy. And so they do the sawing a woman in half. Yes, it is. Uh, not, the cabinet. It's the cabinet where they, they, they cut her into multiple pieces. Uh, Wells does very little when it comes to the trick. Right. Like he kind of shows up at the end and just gives like the final blade a shove. Yeah. Uh, and throughout this whole thing, we're getting reaction shots, not from a crowd. But from? But from the Muppets. Yeah. I can't think of a time where they've mixed the Muppets with magic. And it makes so much sense. Pen, tell her. For real. Do it. Because... I'm going to tell a quick story because this is going to be a short episode. Uh, Me and a friend of mine uh, went to a puppet workshop when we were at the American College Theater Festival. And the way that you work like a Fozzie-esque Muppet is one person works the head and the left hand. Mm -hmm. And then the other person works the right hand. And you kind of have to like work as a team to like, you know, create something. And me and my bud had this like blue guy who was like, he looked like, like, like he kind of had that like fry squinty eye yeah. look. And he was like this bald blue guy that just looked annoyed about stuff. And since I had the mouth, I was talking. And as we're talking, we switch so that my hand gets out of his like left hand and now my buddy's working both hands and I'm just working the mouth but no one sees us do that okay so then my buddy breaks out a deck of cards and shuffles them and everyone gasps everyone thinks you guys are wizards <laughs> they think we're just incredible 
And then we do a magic trick. And everyone's like, how are they doing this? <laughs> it was really fun. I have few regrets, but I skipped puppet boot camp. Mm. I was supposed to go to a puppet boot camp and something came up and I didn't go. And I kind of regret not going to puppet boot camp. I feel like that'd be a fun yeah. thing to know. But, like, the idea of the Muppets doing magic is... Because, like, the Muppets are all about things like going wrong. And yeah. you could really pull off a nice magic trick where it's like, you're supposed to do X. X doesn't happen, but then Y happens and it's very... It's still amazing. And because they're not, like... You don't have to follow laws of biology and physics. You can do some really funny stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't um, believe there's not a puppet magician. <laughs> Lara is Googling to prove me wrong that there is probably already a puppet magician. Um, the amazing Mumford, but he's from Sesame Street. Oh, I remember him. A la peanut butter sandwiches. Uh, there's some very old uh, Muppet things, but there's not a lot. All right, well, I'm going to get a puppet. Oh, no. I'm going to learn a magic trick and I'll be on Fool Us in like a year. <laughs> it happens that quick, right? Yeah, the magician uh, Doug Henning does an episode of The Muppet Show. And so there's magic in that specific episode of The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. That's really it. So uh, there's a moment where they're doing the disembodied princess and the princess's head is shown and she winks at Sam yeah. And you hear Sam that you go, actors are sick. <laughs> I was just like, yay. So they finish the magic trick and it's very much that Sailor Moon meme where it's like, no need to thank me. You didn't do anything. Yeah. All he really does is tell the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also goodbye guests, but we get like a panel moment with the three of them. With Fozzie, uh, Kermit, and Orson Welles. And then the spotlights widen, and there's Frank Oz and Jim Henson. Yes. So we get an interview with Frank Oz and Jim Henson and Orson Welles. The talent just sitting there is incredible. Frank Oz is like a cantankerous old man even then. But throughout this entire interview, it felt like Orson Welles is trying to argue with Jim Henson and Frank Oz that the Muppets are real. Oh, yeah. Because it's kind of this, like, do people ask that, you know, do you see the Muppets as real people? And Frank Oz makes, like, a joke. He's like, yeah, we eat together at the dis- at the dinner table. No, it's a doll that I give life to. It's like, yeah, but do you ever slip into the characters? He's like, no, I'm talking. I know who I am. <laughs> I know I'm not Miss Piggy. I'd be insane if I just turned into Miss Piggy sometimes. And Orson, it's such an it's still real to me, damn it. Orson Welles then like pivots and he's like, well, what about you, Jim? And Jim kind of gives a similar but nicer answer. And Orson Welles is like, well, come on. Aren't, wouldn't you say a, a little bit of Kermit the Frog is in Jim Henson or vice versa? That there's just a little spark. Say this for my audience, Jim. <laughs> you say that the frog is real. For his audience, for him. <laughs> it's like, come on now. He He's such a Muppet stan, and I'm here for it. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah, as someone who loves Orson Welles, it is very fun to watch him be a child and, uh, in front of these people. We find that, like, 
they talk about when they started out with puppetry and that like Frank Oz started when he was younger, but Jim Henson started just to get a job on TV. Mm-hmm. Love it. it. This is a fun segment. It certainly is. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And then we have some mood whiplash. Yes. As we watch gun experts examine some bullets and a revolver. <laughs> because they're going to do the bullet catch trick. Yes, sort of. Uh, a... Six shooter is loaded with five blanks and one real bullet. Uh, Orson Welles is strapped to a chair and blindfolded. Yes. And he is going to have this woman, what was her name? Something Dixon? Angie Dickinson. Angie Dickinson. Shoot the gun at his face five times. But when Orson Welles believes using his psychic powers that the... Uh, the real bullet is in the chamber. Uh, he will instruct her to change the gun from his face to a target that has like a vase on it. Yeah. Shoot that and then turn back to him. So the idea is that the real bullet will be shot at the target. The, all five blanks will be shot at Orson Welles and he will use his powers to make sure his head doesn't get blown off. Uh, uh, my next note here. This reads like a Stefan joke. This show has everything. A bullet catch. Muppets. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Burt Reynolds. <laughs> they do a good job presenting this joke. Yes. Or this joke, this trick, in that she points the gun and it makes like a bang. And Orson Welles is like, okay, fire again. And then she fires and Orson Welles pretends to die. Yeah. Like he slumps over. And then he's like, nah, I didn't get shot. It's fine. And then she shoots again. And Orson Welles says something like, if you'd like, you can spin the barrel again. And she goes, I think I'm just going to shoot. And she fires again. And Orson Welles freaks out and goes, target, 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 target. If you want to, you can give that thing just one more spin. I'm just going to shoot. Target! She turns to the target, fires, the vase breaks, and then she kind of like smirks and then turns back and fires the last shot at Wells. And he's like, magic! Yeah. It's very clear that they're all blanks. And that the target is rigged. And the target is a thing that explodes, yeah. Um... They do like they play the drama up very nicely. Oh yeah. During all of this, you never see the crowd. No. Which makes me think this wasn't even performed live. I think this I think there's a really good chance it's a closed set. Yeah. Um so magic on TV is always rough. Yeah. Because you have to try to convince the audience that they're not just cheating. And it's, once you're able to be like, well, he could have just done X, it, it kind of takes all the fun out of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love magic. Uh, magic is hard to do on TV, but I'd like to see more of it. And, you know. I've seen some varying things about this segment. Okay. Uh, this segment is actually... The, this segment's the segment that actually did make it to TV. Uh, it was used in a show called The Magic Show. Oh. 
the first magic trick he does with the mummy mm-hmm. was intended to be for a show called The Magic Show that was airing at that point. Oh, so they just interspliced Muppets to make it seem like it was part of this show? Yes. All right. And then uh, what they ended up doing is they reused the uh, they reused this footage for that TV show. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. So I think that's super interesting that a couple of pieces of this were intended for air or did make it to air. So, yeah. Yeah. So that brings us to the ending, which he thanks everybody who was on the show. And they show Burt Reynolds. They show uh, Angie Dickinson. They show Kermit, Sam the Eagle, uh, Fozzie Bear, and Dr. Teeth for some reason. Yeah, who we had not seen. Yeah, sir, not appearing in this show. (laughs) Excited for the Electric Mayhem show, though, still. Uh, and then he's like, we're out of, we're not out of time. So I have to stretch for a minute. So, um, so he does a monologue and complains about Truman Capote. Yeah. I thought he was reading Truman Capote. Uh, he does, Yeah, but he also complains about Truman Capote. That's important that he also does complain about him. So yeah, he just does a little bit of a read and then he's like, all right. And like, you see his eyes on cue cards. Yes. And then he's like, okay, that's the show. Good night. So, this could have never worked the, as a... It, this could not have worked the way a talk show works. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Orson Welles' nature would have worked with uh, doing four shows a week, however True. many weeks a year. True. I did really like it. Like... I think this could have been a fun, like, special... Annual, semi-annual. True. I mean, like, taking away the idea that Orson Welles is not into it enough to do it. Yeah. If this show, this show, in my opinion, could work. I like the idea of it's a talk show that's more of a variety show. Yeah. I think that's really fun. Like, uh, there used to be a show, I believe, on FX called Penn and Teller's Sin City. Mm-hmm. Which was very similar to this in that, like, it was magic and then, like, a guest would come on and then the guest would get involved in the magic. And then, like, some sort of, like, freak show performance would happen. Someone would, like, you know, hang from hooks or whatever. And I, I like that, like, that show where there is a consistent host, but what's going to happen is really unknown. I think this really works. And... As someone who loves Orson Welles, of course I love this show. Yes. Uh, I think it's really fun. Variety shows also, like, if we go into the product of its time, television history, variety shows are popular in the 70s and 80s. Yes. Um, So I think that's a big part of it, is that this is very similar. Yeah, and additionally, this is the pilot where we saw him talk to one of his best friends and the Muppets that he adores. Oh. I would love this show to continue and watch Orson Welles get more and more tired and dealing with people he knows less and less. <laughs> yeah, like him burning through people he's worked with and likes. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, it, like promoting things that he doesn't see as art, <laughs> you know? Oh my God, amazing. Him just getting irritated mm. with people and things. Mm. Oh my God, could, like... 
he passed away in 1985, but could you have imagined him, like, dealing with, like, 80s musicians he didn't get? Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> like, picture him dealing with, like, Tiffany? <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing. Him having to confront the idea of a mall. Yeah. Here we have Johnny Rotten. <laughs> Something like, I, I'd love to see him do the animal segment. Oh, my God. Someone's going to come out and put snakes on me. You're all going to be surprised. Yes. I don't do a good Orson Welles. No. You do a better John Malkovich than you do Orson Welles. That's why I worked that in. (laughs) And your John Malkovich is okay. All my, my impressions are okay at best. There are no good impressions that I do. Oh, it's it's true, but also all. Sorry. <laughs> Give me your pity for my lack of talent. Uh, so I think that brings us to the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, verdict. Um, I think I really enjoyed watching this, but I think it's a stay doomed because I don't know yeah. that it would work long term. No, you know, I want to see. I want to see it. Stay tuned. I, I think I just love Orson Welles enough that I was like, I feel like eventually this would turn bad. Yeah, and I would love to see that. <laughs> I'd love to see because if you don't know like Orson Welles, uh, I highly recommend that you watch Citizen Kane. But if you don't have time to watch a three-hour black and white movie, simply find the Orson Welles P commercial. Uh, outtakes where it's just him being upset about the copy he has to read. That is so funny that Maurice LaMarche, the voice of the brain, uses it as a vocal warm-up. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July, peas grow there. We aren't even in the fields, you see. We're talking about them growing and she's picked them. Yeah. On what? In July. I don't understand you, then. When must, what must be over for July? Um, when we get out of that snowy field. When I was out, we were onto a can of peas, a big dish of peas, when I said in July. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Yes, always. Yeah. I'm always past that. You are? Yes. Okay. Well, that's about where I say in July. Could you emphasize a bit in? In July. Why? That doesn't make any sense. Sorry. Um, There's no known way of saying an English sentence in which you... Begin a sentence with in and emphasize it. Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July and I'll go down on you. That's just idiotic if you'll forgive me by saying so. He just loves doing Orson Welles. So, yeah, Orson Welles is such a great character and the idea of giving him this odd of a spotlight for his skill set. Like, I don't know, I just kind of love the ideas of like, you are the greatest actor of our time. So here's a talk show. Yeah. It's just such a funny thing to do. Agreed. So, yeah, I, I would give this a stay tuned. All right. So that's going to do it for the show. If you want to support the shows and keep the lights on here at Stay Doomed HQ, uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash plus two comedy. At the $5 level, you get to vote on episodes that we're going to do. And uh, if you're at the $20 level, you get to be called a super cool patron like Matthew who also makes direct suggestions. And based on his suggestion next week, what are we watching? 
Uh, we are watching the U.S. Taskmaster. Yes, the U.S. version of Taskmaster. Super excited for this one. I'm cautiously optimistic. Ooh, that's not the right way to go into this one. Trust oh, me. no. Where can people find us? You can email us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you want me to record messages doing impressions of your favorite celebrity poorly, I'm at Plus Two Comedy. If you want to help us workshop the John Malkovich talk show, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed. Until next time, stay doomed. Stop that.